fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Don't cough, no coughsies, no coughsies. No coughing, like it, it, it's just, it's just, uh, it burns on the way down. Well, the gasoline sure does, Rick. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that it does, that it does. So let's start there. So guys, welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's going on? And uh, we're both drinking gasoline for our uh, dinner tonight. Mine um, is 87 <laughs> octane. <laughs> That's it, 87. I don't do 83. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, uh, yeah, I'm drinking a, uh, what am I drinking? Old Granddad 114. And you're drinking a Rare Breed? I have Rare Breed Barrel Proof. Oh, man. Some solid stuff. As you say, it should be like 116 to 120, somewhere around there. It's pretty. I, I mean, I can tell. It's pretty potent stuff. Yeah, it's uh when it still burns like a minute later, it's pretty right. potent stuff. You're like, ah, oh, I kind of want to light it on fire and see what happens. <laughs> Will it burn? Is it flammable? Oh, hell yeah, it'll burn. So when I was in college, uh, me and a, we'll start off with a story. Uh, me and a buddy uh, used to buy, they don't make this anymore, by the way, unfortunately. Picardi used to make a, a rum called 151. Oh, yeah. And they, they stopped making it, but we would get like a bottle and for one night out of the year, we would like get a bottle and a disposable camera and like drink out of it and then like get the pictures developed later. But that part's beside the point because we decided one night, like we had a bunch of it left over because it's, you know, 151 proof alcohol. Um, we took it to a friend's house and he's like, hey, you guys know you can light this stuff on fire. We're like yeah and uh he's he's like he's like i want to take a shot and like with it lit on fire and uh so he pours in a shot glass and we light it on fire and like he has it in his hand and like he barely like twitches and like the rum like runs down his hand and like catches his arm on fire oh. <laughs> ouch so yeah like he singed all the like the hair off of his arm was it your was- friend's name luke uh, it wasn't Luke, actually. It was okay. Tom. <laughs> gotcha, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, alcohol will get you one way or another. Apparently, it it will get you. That is so. Sure. We we've kind of. I I feel it's an important topic. I mean, hell, I bring it up every week. Um, but we want to discuss hunting buddies. Yeah. And, uh, and this, fishing buddies. I mean, same fish, thing. fishing buddies. Yeah. Outdoor buddies. How about that? Yeah. Uh, because um, this is something that I kind of preach on every week that uh, if you listen all the way to the end of the podcast, I always tell people to uh, take someone hunting and fishing or get them in the outdoors if they have the opportunity to at some point this year. And uh, at some point you're going to like, it, it's just, it's going to happen one way or another. Very few people, I think, kind of just hunt by themselves. You might hunt a season by yourself, or you might have a couple hunts by yourself, but uh, getting a buddy out in the outdoors or having somebody already that you go out with is an important thing uh, to have, I feel like. And I know, Chris, you and I have hunted before. Um, Josh, uh, have I hunted with Josh? Yeah, I hunted with Josh uh, once. Yeah, well, turkey uh, hunting. Turkey hunting. 
Um, the great turkey Jake watching. debacle. Yeah, turkey watching. <laughs> Um, it is better than turkey spooking and i think that's really every, everyone that i've hunted with from the team but man uh, luke i've hunted with luke and uh but like just you and luke oh no no okay like the three of us have went out but all right so there's a different dynamic there with each one of those things and certainly i fished a bunch with a bunch of different people but um you know part of what we preach is you know, being kind of the, you know, the commensurate outdoorsman, like making sure that you're taking care of the environment, making sure that you're teaching people about stuff. So we figured we cover some stuff regarding this tonight. So sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I guess I'll kind of start off here yeah. with a point that I have to make. So first off you have, Lots of times, especially once you get to once you get to our age, <laughs> you have buddies that you made two months ago that, you know, you got stuck in a room with or whatever when your wives are out or, you know, whatever it is. And then you've got buddies that you've had for 10 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you generally generally those buddies that you hunt or fish with that you're still hunting and fishing with 10 or 20 years later, or even just a year later, um, you kind of have, uh, I don't know that I would call it a rapport, but like a dynamic, Mm -hmm. I guess. Absolutely. Uh, you, You understand the expectations and, and all of that. And, uh, and of course not everybody's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the most critical paranoid person. I know (laughs) if I'm being real and Rick's like, Oh my God, he finally said it. Um, (laughs) but I mean, when I, uh, so I'll point out something that's huge to me right out of the gate and people probably think I'm going to say like spots, like keeping spots secret or whatever. And that is important. But to me, if I'm hunting or fishing with somebody, I want them to be able to take a good picture of me. And I want when I get something <laughs> yes. on the ground, in my hands, whatever, I want them to treat that moment as if it is a moment with their child or something mm-hmm. like that. It's their son's first fish because you only get that moment. You can't remake that moment it'll never happen again so you can do better or you know whatever but those pictures are the most important thing to me over a a mount or anything else so um when it comes time to post that on the internet or have it blown up into something or whatever hanging in your house forever yes i mean that's that's a memory Mm mm-hmm and when I'm 90 and I'm looking back at all the fun I had, I want to be able to look at those pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are my, you know, those are my mounts. A lot of people love big deer mounts and big fish mounts. And I think they're cool. Don't get me wrong, but the picture trumps everything. So that's oh, kind of something. Absolutely does. Yeah. That's, that's something that's important to me. Um, aside from obviously, you know, 
if we go somewhere, whether it be public or private, we keep that place secret and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, you know, if we get big deer on camera or, you know, whatever. Um, oh, hold on. <laughs> you find a tick on you? I got a tick. <laughs> God bless, dude. These things. So I went. Dang, man. Is it one of the tiny ones? Yeah, it's like really dug into. I'm going to have to Oh, that ain't so, good. Anywho, that's gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, did some summer scouting and uh, oof, it was. The ticks was be rough. out. The ticks be out. Ticks be out <laughs> really, really well. So, yeah, um, whether you're old or new, I, I think. Uh, uh, you know, whether you've got a buddy that's that's been with you 10 years or or, uh, you know, 10 months or whatever, I think it's pretty important to set boundaries with those people. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's healthy and I, I'm sure you're over there like, oh, talk dirty, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's healthy. And I, I've noticed that the people who don't set boundaries and the people who are well, basically, like I used to be very passive and just try to be like overly nice, I'll call mm-hmm. it. Well, that turns into something that's unhealthy because then mm-hmm. that guy takes another buddy there or something something happens. And then all of a sudden there is animosity, jealousy, you know, whatever. Yep. And it becomes a very unhealthy situation when in all reality – all you had to do was say, hey, I'm taking you to this spot. I know it's on public land, but I'd, I'd appreciate it if you didn't hunt right here. You know, I've, I've shown you, you know, deer, turkeys, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd like this to be my spot that you come to with me. Now, yes. if you're somebody that just takes some, you're like, hey, want to go to East Fork? And then you guys go to East Fork and... You know, they've got no prior knowledge of where you're at. And all, like, that's that's different to me. But if I've got a 150-inch deer and I say, hey, man, I got a pretty good deer and I don't have a tag or, you know, whatever, why don't we, why don't you come with me and let's see if I can put you on him? Mm-hmm. Well, I would probably trip balls if I saw you there, or, you know, whoever with your buddy the next week. Like, hey, um, thought I was being nice here. So that's one of those things. And, and that can be, you got to make sure your friends are that kind of trustworthy. You absolutely do. I feel like I have a few of those and I, I blame them for not being, and I don't, because I think some people don't take it as seriously, just like when they don't put in work, as much work, their archery, their scouting, whatever. Yep. They might not take it as serious as you, so therefore it doesn't enter their mind. Hmm, probably doesn't want me to come here, you know, whatever. So um, that's something that I think is important. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think I think that last piece. So there's a Chinese proverb that I love is the Chinese. Uh, <laughs> it says uh, two people can sleep in the same bed, but they don't know what each other's dreaming. I.e., if you're not talking about it, the other person doesn't know about it. So if you're not sitting there saying to somebody, hey, uh, this is important that you don't come here or, 
yeah, it's okay for you to bring your buddy here after we leave here, <clears throat> then there's not going to be any information for that person to go by. So if you're taking somebody to your spot, like it's fine. Like if you operate on those principles, but if you don't state that to somebody else, it makes it a hell of a lot harder for you <clears throat> to not like have those people show up. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, in terms of that, like nobody's going to know exactly how much you put in or how much you do or how much you've uh, put in there for yourself um, and treat it the same. They're just not. Yeah. And, you know, for me, when I take somebody hunting for the first time, and if they've not shot a gun around me and they've not shot a bow around me, um, to make it abundantly clear, like, hey, like, this is how we're going to hunt this hunt. And, <clears throat> you know, I've got, I've got ways I like to do stuff. You, you're coming hunting with me. If I'm going hunting with you, we do it your way. Um, I, you know, you, you can collaborate if you want, if you're older. Like, you know, I, I, feel like, I feel like guys who have been together for like 10 and 20 years who have been hunting together kind of collaborate and they know each other's, you know, like you said, the dynamic, they, they know yeah. what each other's thinking. They know how they like to hunt and that kind of stuff. Um, when you go out with somebody for the first or the second time, like you don't necessarily know what their philosophy is on hunting or how they like to hunt. Um, it's always good to set those kind of expectations beforehand too. like, Hey, are you only looking to shoot a deer that's, you know, got double drop tines and has a 180 score or are you just going to shoot the first thing that walks in front of you like <clears throat> it's helpful to know that kind of stuff just for the sole fact that you also know that um you can expect like if something comes in you can help them put put them on it but also uh, if if they're if they're holding out for a big giant deer that's fine and especially if it's on your, um, if it's on one of your properties or whatever, you know that they're probably going to like wait for like one of the better deer that you may have on camera or something like that. So, you know, that kind of leads me into another point. Um, you know, like what's the most important thing like you said, someone taking a picture, which I wholeheartedly believe because I've had some <clears throat> rough pictures taken Previously. Yeah, that was in my mind when I said that. <laughs> um, I'm previously, that's not, not even my fish. Uh, previously, about about some about some things that I've taken, but um, you know, one of the biggest things for me is that you just talk it through about what happens if something happens. Um, how do you want to handle it? So, uh, I, I've talked about this before. Last fall, I. I went fishing with my dad and, you know, obviously I'm like, I turn, how old do I turn this year? 36, 36. I turned 36 this year and I've been fishing with my dad every year of my life. And we, I caught that huge rainbow. And before we got into the boat, he goes, you need to make a decision now of if you're going to kill this fish or if you're going to take a picture and we're going to revive it. And this is like, it's halfway to the boat. Like we're not even sure we're going to land this fish. And I get it up there in the boat and I'm like, I can't kill this fish. Like it, it, it just flat out wasn't, wasn't going to happen. So it was, let's get pictures of this thing, get it back in the water, get it revived and get it gone. 
Um, and and it was, was fine. Uh, it ended up being I took the measurements of it. I believe it was twenty eight inches, and it weighed oh. seven pounds. I want to say like 10 ounces. It was a big fish. It was he a big rainbow. Hard out Bill Hyman. <laughs> wow. He, he, he was so pissed when I caught that fish. <clears throat> so pissed. He wasn't even there. Wasn't even there. Didn't respond uh, to the original text until. Don't until worry, he I had out. a conversation with him. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. And uh, it, well, you know, you know how he gets about that stuff. Oh, um yeah. And uh, it, it's one of those things where, like you said, like I, I could, I could have, could have kept that fish, but you know, knowing like fishing with my dad, he knew like I need to ask this question now before we get this fish to the boat. Yeah. So same thing with his striper that he caught. It's like oh. we gonna keep this? Like as soon as we get it near the boat, and he's like, "We're," he goes, "We're not keeping this fish." He's, he's like, "There's no way we're." Was this the same day? day uh, no. So it was it was a day out. He caught the striper the day after caught that trout. That trout, I caught I caught a fish Kentucky smallmouth, a fish Kentucky walleye, and a fish Kentucky rainbow all in the same day. Dang. Yeah. I, I, I had I had quite the day um in, in September last year. And then he caught uh that I mean definitely a fish Kentucky striper that very next day. My God, dude. Yeah. So I mean, like when when you go out with, pe- with new people too, um, so like I think I have more experience with that with the like in the fishing sense than really I do in the hunting sense. To be quite honest, yeah. Um, when when I take somebody fishing, like I I explain to them like, look, you know, here's how I fish the area. You want to fish it a different way, fine. Uh, but like if we're on Cumberland and we're going. Like to a certain spot, I'm like, this is what works for me. Um, this is how I'm going to fish it. Like if you're on the trolling motor, you fish it a different way. <clears throat> but if I'm on the trolling motor, I'm going to fish it this way. And there's got to be that parody and talking back and forth about that kind of stuff and answering stuff like not. I hate the guy who is like you go fishing with him and you say, what'd you catch that fish on? And he's like, oh, nothing. It's like, like no, like we're we're in the same damn boat, like. You, like yeah. we need we need to be talking back and forth and i would also encourage people like tell your buddies like don't tell them like exactly what you're using but if you had a hot day on the water say hey we were using this we we're using jerk baits we were using crank baits um seven to five foot five to seven foot di- deep diving crank baits or something like that so people have some idea of what to go out there and try it well with. sure yeah i mean even telling i mean i don't see now again this is where so if somebody this is asked where you me, and I diverge. <laughs> if, but if somebody asked me how I killed a white tailed deer, I would mm-hmm. tell them every single thing that I did. Yep. And I understand that if I tell you, hey, I killed this one seventy this way, well, mm-hmm. there's a snowball's chance in hell that you and the next ten people are gonna do that. 50 times a year and still find a deer you know what i mean like right but if you tell me <clears throat> caught this on a name your favorite bait or whatever yeah i won't name it i won't name it um <laughs> but 
I guess you could go out and catch fish, but there again, I don't see what the big deal is because if they're, if they don't know where you're fishing, then why would you not see, see, and this is, this is where I think it gets into a little gray area because I will say to people, like if someone says, Oh, where'd you catch that fish? I'll say, go to any Rocky point on the lake, Kentucky in, in Kentucky. And, um, throw a crank throw throw a, a crankbait that goes down five to seven feet um, more than likely you're going to catch a fish um, there are certain ways of fishing certain areas though um, that hold big fish I, mm-hmm. I mean I'm, I'm just I'm not gonna tell you where I caught the fish I'll, I'll sure. tell you I'll tell you like um, that that trout um, we we're fishing the Cumberland River um, and we were throwing in, you know, name your bait, throwing in behind trees like that, that that's where those fish hold. And for a lot of reasons, <clears throat> those fish hold there because there's bait or they're a good ambush spot. So, you know, that that type of stuff, um, it, it, it just it really, really depends. And I mean. I feel like, and, and I know that I've had this discussion with a couple different people and they're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. but you know, I pick certain baits because I know that it's going to work for multiple fish. Like I'm not like, if I want to go out and target bass, yeah, I'll, I'll go out and I'll, I'll target a certain thing. But like, if I'm, if I'm on Cumberland or if I'm on Dale or if I'm on um, uh, Deer Creek or Alum Creek in Ohio, I, I'm going to pick, bait that i know is going to pick up different types of fish and it's going to pick up bigger fish with some things versus other things but you have to try and test that stuff out like you you could go out there tomorrow and the water could be you know garbage conditions and it's not going to work the same too um the same as a deer like i can tell you my exact bow setup i can tell you my exact broadhead i can tell you my arrow setup um but if the wind is garbage, it's not going to matter. Like I get a kick out out of these guys who kill like the world records. Um, the guy who killed Mufasa like three years ago, that, that huge like, <laughs> Mufasa. New, <laughs> that's what his name was. Like it, the, the guy had just picked up bow hunting like two years previous. Are you talking about the dentist? The one in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, it's name is Mufasa. Oh, the deer. Yeah. The deer. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, for whatever reason, I thought you were talking about a lion. No, 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 that, that, that's, that was Cecil. Um, no, I'm, I'm talking about like Mufasa, the deer that they had on camera. That's the new uh, whitetail record. Like the guy, the guy like had a, had a bow set up and like, yeah, I got to interrupt you. There is literally a coyote, like right outside my window. I thought your <laughs> dogs were barking. No, no, they're not. Is there seriously coyote outside your window? Oh, it's doing the greeting how. Oh, geez. You probably have a pack yeah. behind you. I thought Coral was behind <clears> me. I can hear it now, too. Me. Hey, find my blue. Keep talking for a second. I want to see this thing. Okay. I'm going to get so, my blue light. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that I tended to look at, like, with that is the guy says, like, I wasn't planning on shooting this deer. Obviously, it just kind of came into being. And the fact of the matter is, is that he, he picked equipment that worked for him. But then when you kill a world record deer, 
or a, a monster deer, a lot of people are like, what'd you use? How'd you do it? How, you know, where were you at? And, you know, certainly the first question you always throw out with that is, um, I'm not telling you where I shot this deer at. Um, I might tell you the state. I may give you the county, but certainly I'm not going to give you the farm area where the, I saw or I got this deer at. You know, that, that would be, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, you know a suicidal thought in terms of, you know, completing, you know, killing your big deer but it's it's interesting to me like when guys sit there and they hawk all this different stuff like this is how you need to do it to kill a deer it's like you can have the equipment but there's so many other factors that go into that it's it's not even funny especially with bow hunting with fishing i just feel like it's a little bit different so i mean but that that's kind of my take on it at least gotcha I do apologize for the little ADD break there, ladies and gentlemen. Good. You had a but, coyote uh, like 30 yards behind you. Oh, dude, it was <laughs> like as I got outside with the light, I heard something running like yeah. right on the edge of the woods and saw the the limbs and leaves shaking. And I thought, dang it, oh, I man. wanted to see you. Of course, Erica came down here and she's like, yeah, you're hearing that too, right? <laughs> Um, so like we talk about like taking old buddies, like new buddies. So what, what, what are the things that you concentrate on? Like when you take a new hunter or a new fisherman out? So when I'm taking somebody that's new, um, to be clear, I mean like an older person too, like not a child, it, not a kid. Um, so really it's probably the same that I start with the basics and we go over safety. So with fishing, obviously, Watch your back uh, cast. Uh, oh, my God, pay attention to your hook. For the love of God, watch your hook because you can ruin somebody's day life with just a cast. Like, you don't want to rip an eyeball out or something. Yeah. Like, you, oh, God, dude. Will. I, I've seen. Orange spinnerbait <laughs> up oh my, my nose. God. Rocky Fork Lake. Probably circa 1994. Oh, <laughs> that is rough. <laughs> so you don't want that happening. Um, if I have a kid, we're going to talk about slipping and falling and hitting mm-hmm. your head on stuff. And, and I bring it up. It all depends because I have a lot of people that want me to take them to do this, that or whatever. And so a lot of times I encounter what we would call city folks. And yeah. so... Um, these are people, you know, that just don't have any experience at all. So it's not like they have that common knowledge. And so I want to make sure everybody stays safe. Now, when it comes to hunting, which is a lot more of what I do, um, we're going to hit on safety with, you know, climbing, ascending and descending. And while you're in the stand saddle, whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, if we're out there with guns, when the appropriate time is to wear hunter orange and, you know, what colors not to wear during turkey season and things that you wouldn't do that if you don't know, you don't know, but we know are stupid and are Mm -hmm. a death wish. Um, so the other thing I try to do is some very basic 
scouting and things to look for when you're trying to figure out where to set up and just to get, you know, I'm not, you take somebody out the first time or two. That's probably one of the more exciting things you can do because anything that comes in. Oh yeah. Fair game. And you want to advise them. You don't want to give them the golden ticket to like the end of the rainbow and, they're the winner of Charlie or Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, right? Mm-hmm. You want to start them off pretty basic and let them taste that success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that success might not be a harvest. It might just be a few encounters and getting to draw, miss, whatever, and and then take that and learn and build. Um, so that's that's pretty much what I hit on that. And I think a lot of people – really don't take practicing with their weapon seriously mm-hmm. enough. And as I've gotten older, I've clearly gotten more and more serious about that. So I hit on that a lot with people. Um, just basic things about, you know, what a deer, a turkey's senses are capable of and their foods and, uh, just different things like that, how to sit mm-hmm. still and keep comfortable and uh, moreover, uh, saving money when you're buying all this stuff because you got a lot. Of, I mean, you can pretty much do it as cheap or as expensive as you want, but right. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Hunting and fishing is like a gear junkie's paradise. So, but that's, that's pretty much, and, and I try, you know, the other thing I'll, I'll mention private or public, I teach them the respect of the wildlife, the respect of the land and the landowner, because for whatever reason, people's dad just didn't smack the out of them when they dropped a wrapper on the ground or something, they left their pop can and man, the first time you did that, you got whacked in the back of the head. And then I talking to you, you're like, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense and it sucks then. And then you, you get older and you see grownups doing it yep. and you have to restrain yourself from smacking the piss out of them. Yep. So, um, which I'm, I'm the first one. I don't get to see it a lot, but I'm the first person to say something. I'll, I've on numerous occasions, not even hunting. I've pulled over like when you're in the slow moving traffic or something mm-hmm. and somebody, throws their cigarette butt out the window, I go pick it up and throw it back in their window or something. I'm just that kind of person. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't been shot. Um, You're lucky you haven't. I am. So, <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, that's pretty much what I hit on. And then, you know, as we as we progress, if, if – you know, I end up hunting with that person, which a lot of times you, you don't, you, you teach them and then they want to do their own thing and you might hook up here and there, but it's generally pretty rare. Um, so yeah, we talked about, uh, we, you know, we go ahead. I was going to say like you, you bring up a good point. It was like people will like go out hunting with you or fishing with you once. And that that's the biggest barrier to entry. Like people aren't. Oh, absolutely. Most people like if, if you look at like polling and that kind of stuff, when people when they ask these questions, it's not uh, I can't afford the equipment. It's I don't have anybody to take me. I don't have anybody to mentor me. I don't have anybody to learn. I don't from. know where to start. I don't know I where to start. No idea. 
exactly. Blue. And so, and that, you know, I'll say this much, this brings up a very good point in my mind and I'm probably a hypocrite for saying it, but when you're out on public land and you see that dip walking around aimlessly and you have no idea what they're doing and why mm-hmm. they're doing it. And that could be the person that literally doesn't know anything and they're just trying to do it and learn trying to figure something out. Yeah. And they don't have a dad, an uncle, a grandpa, a buddy, whatever, a coworker to take them out and teach them and just give them a basic starting point. So mm-hmm. that's where you might rather than losing your crap, you might flag them down, walk up and talk to them, whatever, and just ask them, you know, start a conversation with them. Don't just be like, Hey, how long you been hunting? Talk yeah. to them a little bit and see how long they've been hunting. And you know, if they've hunted the area much and all that, and then ease into it that way. If it's just some dip truly that you don't get shot in the woods, like <laughs> I probably will. Um, but brings me to a question like that a first time hunter asked me the other day okay. like this uh th- this was kind of kind of like the the segue into that is <clears throat> like be prepared to answer a bunch of questions like oh, that's dude. Par- it's part of it um i had uh someone ask me how often do people get shot while they're hunting <laughs> And I, I mean, I said fatally or like otherwise, and I said, you know, realistically, like you have probably less than 10 accidents a year in the state, like in the state of Ohio yeah, that are reported. I should say that that are reported. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Although I'll say, I don't think a lot of gunshots are going unreported. Right. Exactly. Um, they Like if you show up at a hospital and you've got like birdshot in you or you got like a bullet in you it's getting reported um and they can tell the difference between a nine millimeter and a 350 legend right um but you you probably have less than 10 a year but that was a concern for them as a first-time hunter you know trying to figure this out because they're 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 not doing bow hunting they're going straight to deer rifle and then they want to do fall turkey and spring turkey next year, and they want to do hog hunting eventually. Like they wanted, that's what like their goal is to go to a different state and do hog hunting. And you know, my statement to them was, you know, a lot of those accidents happen when people don't identify their target and they blindly yeah. shoot. And a lot of them also occur when people aren't following hunter orange safety laws and they are just like they see something and they, they fire at it. Well, I think so. I think um, a lot of this happens simply by not following the laws and the the Ten Commandments of owning and handling a gun. So lots of people get shot or have at least an accident with discharging, accidentally discharging a firearm, Mm -hmm. putting it in and taking it out of a vehicle. Yeah. Putting it in and taking it out of a holster, a pocket, their waist belt a gun case, whatever. Um, I think the a lot of it are howling outside my house now. Wow. That's awesome. That's weird. Isn't it? <laughs> Just for oh, an God, hour it's, away. An, it's an omen. 
Is Apocalypto coming for us? <laughs> it's a full moon, though, isn't it? It's strawberry moon tonight. Is it? Yeah, I think it's a full moon. I didn't know which uh, which day it was, but I knew it was getting close. You can, we'll hit on that though. Yeah. So, um, I think also people get so excited, and this has been me. You get excited over whatever, and a deer mm-hmm. or a turkey or a duck. To some people, maybe a squirrel. It's like the world championship if you kill mm-hmm. that thing. And so you, your adrenaline's pumping and you take a quick shot and you didn't really... Put the safety back over? Well, not that. Although, my God, I about blew my own damn foot off this year being complacent and I'm like captain gun safety. Um, I... Like, the people that well, for instance, the story Gilkey told mm-hmm. about yeah. how the dude flushed a hen yep. and shot at it flying with deer slugs like an idiot. And, you oh. know, damn well knowing, I would assume that you're poaching it out of season yeah, and with improper equipment. Right. Um, so stuff like that, you know, take it, taking running shots and, and a lot of people hate that you can only have three shells in your gun, but that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. So you're not following an animal for 180 degrees and then eventually putting two 12-gauge rounds downrange into a freaking parking lot or something exactly. and not even knowing it. Exactly. So, but uh, I think, you know, that's why a lot of that stuff, and I hate to sound like Mr. Rule follower or whatever, but that it's the truth. It's it's there for a reason mm-hmm. so you don't die or kill somebody because you know it's all well and good and you're super tough until you shoot somebody that's out with their dad for their first haunt or you know yep. whatever so that's how that stuff happens you know the drunk driver doesn't hit the other drunk driver Correct. he hits the pregnant mom with three kids in her car you know what i yes. mean so if stuff's gonna go wrong it's gonna go really wrong so um yeah, certain things like that, I I definitely try to hit on a lot and let them know that it's serious. You can't, you will not take a bullet back. Nope. You're probably not going to jump in the water when you're fishing in January and save your buddy. You'll die too. Yep. Um, so uh, as far as, you know, just to kind of hit on this though, we, we touched on it a little bit when you have a buddy or you're taking somebody new, my advice would be if you're teaching somebody new, take them to somewhere that you're not invested in. <laughs> I would Do agree not with that. Take the 100%. new guy out for the first time or a few times until you have felt that person out and know that they're trustworthy and mm-hmm. responsible because the last thing you want them to do is a out lease you lease something out from underneath you steal a spot, screw up. I, I actually had a landowner tell me uh, I acquired a new property and he made it very, very clear that if somebody comes with me, I need to notify him and mm-hmm. they need to be aware that they are not to go there without me because he had people show up with buddies and then oh, the buddies man. just started showing up as if it was their place. And yep. so he kicked them all out. Yep. And, and I was like, well, I don't have buddies like that, but 
trust me when I say you will never have to worry about that. Exactly. So, so take them to a, you know, a burner spot that you don't care as much about. I'm not saying gar hole them or anything, but right. You know, don't take them to your prized spot because that could be a rough situation and turn into something that's unhealthy. Um, and, and always, 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 always set your boundaries, let them know, Hey, this is my, this is my hunting spot. Mm -hmm. I love coming here. Please don't come here. I'll be pissed if you tried, you know, don't don't tell a bunch of people about it. Yeah. Like I want this, this is my place that I'm sharing with you. Don't mess that up for me because Mm -hmm. then there's going to be a problem, you know, with, with certain people, they just blow it off with somebody like myself that will not (laughs) ever in the history of the world be let go. Mm -hmm. So, um, the next thing that I want to hit on is working as a team and that's more for your, you know, your buddies that are kind of on the same level as you. Mm -hmm. So I'll bring up a really cool little story. Um, Luke and Pierce and I went on public land. None of us had ever Turkey hunted there before. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know if Pierce had ever even been there himself. And we go in there blind we got on birds. We killed a bird, should have killed another, went back the next day and killed a bird. And that basically meant that me, Luke and Pierce were all tagged out. Well, the coolest part about the day, other than the fact, you know, obviously one of us being able to kill one of those birds was super cool. And all the, trash talking and making fun of each other that we did luke fell crossing a ditch (laughs) while eating a sandwich and that's like a memorable moment for a lot of us is your sandwich okay so um when a crow called and we're in mid-stride we look like flamingos standing on one leg as you have experienced Mm -hmm. and witnessed when a hoot owl lets out a hoot when a woodpecker goes when a a train comes through any loud noise that's going to make a turkey gobble everybody stops and nobody moves um we all just kind of knew where and how to set up we just we worked together as a team and had a an amazing dynamic without ever hunting together before in our lives Mm -hmm. which was very very cool And I feel like that's very rare. We're also blessed with the fact that me and Luke have the hearing of a hoot owl. Um, Mm -hmm. Pierce ain't far off, but Luke and I can hear, hear things that like newborn kids can't hear. (laughs) It's pretty cool. So that, I mean, it's really neat to work as a team. Uh, Pierce dropping back to call for us and um, just, you know, from there all the way through taking pictures and videos and filming each other and, and all that. It's, it's pretty, pretty super special when you can get a guy or two or whatever, that's going to work with you and just, you kind of know what oh, each absolutely. other's thinking and all that. So um, let's see, what else do we have? The pros and cons of i mean there's lots of different pros and cons of that yeah 
So I'll say right out the gate, the pros are obviously very, very simple. Uh, if I take Rick Cates to my spot and he kills a deer, turkey, catches a big fish, whatever, especially if it's like a very memorable moment, mm-hmm. well, I just created a memory for somebody and for myself right. that we'll remember until we get the notebook Alzheimer's and forget <laughs> as we die with our wives. <laughs> I'm a dark guy tonight. This wild turkey though. Um, so, <laughs> um, sorry, I choked Rick to death. You're not going to get the notebook Alzheimer's. I'm sorry. You're no. Dying now. But uh, oh, in all seriousness, um, that's probably your biggest reward. The other thing I'll say, and I'm just now experiencing this very recently. I went for years. I had a buddy. He'll go unnamed, but. I had two spots to hunt for a decade, Mm -hmm. decade and a half. That was it. One spot that was my buddy's uncle and our family farm. And I took him to my spots. He didn't have anywhere. Took him and took him and got him deer, got him turkeys, got him deer, got him turkeys. Passed deer up so that they would walk to him and he could kill them. And he gets like a 400 acre primo piece of hunting ground. Guess who doesn't get an invite? Chris. Oh my God. That what that actually kind of hurt a little bit. So well, I can imagine uh, it did. <laughs> it was rough. So, but it opened my eyes a lot and it mm-hmm. taught me a lot as an adult, uh, as a man that, you know, Sometimes you just don't, you know, if somebody seems iffy or, you know, whatever, you don't take them. So to me, that would be a con, I guess, when somebody doesn't Mm -hmm. share. But the benefit, I have multiple buddies now, you being one included, talking Mm -hmm. about possibly, you know, we could turkey hunt together on a private farm next Mm -hmm. year. I mean, that's to me, that's huge. And honestly, cool if i kill a bird cool if i go there and call in a double for you and your buddy badass um mm-hmm. with with turkeys it's just so much different if if somebody kills a turkey it is like we just won the world championship yeah to tackle everybody um so but i've i've been invited by multiple people to hunt and those are people that i've shared my public and private spots with and man talk about a a great investment and that's not why you take them right but damn is it nice to have that i mean it's it makes you feel pretty damn awesome honestly mm-hmm. so what, exactly. what are some for you i mean i mean pros uh definitely creating memories uh the knowledge base you can give somebody so they can you know eventually take it on for themselves and then you know go 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 teach someone else after that con wise though there's a couple of big ones. Uh, I mean, the biggest one being like if you violate the uh, like the commandment of "Thou shalt not uh, speak of spots." Ugh. Like, no, nothing chaps my ass more than like when somebody <clears throat> you take somebody somewhere, you say, 
hey, I brought you here. Like, I'd appreciate it if you didn't. And then they go ahead and they do it anyways. Um, and I get like public land spots, especially uh, that you can't you, you like you can't like condemn anybody for like going back there. But I mean, realistically, it's one of those things where it, it's just if someone asks you to, to not do something, don't do it. Agreed. Unless 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 they're a jerk like, you know, then then, you know, that's on them. Um, <clears throat> another big con for me, um, is, and I don't even know that it's really a con. I think it's just kind of like more of an annoyance thing is it, it is the whole idea of, um, not reciprocating. Like if someone takes you to a spot reciprocated in some way, I don't, I don't care if it's, uh, like you take them to your spot or you uh, give them information on a place that they haven't been yet. And they're asking you about, or like, you know, you don't have a spot and you say, well, here, I'm going to make it up to you. Like I'm going to buy you dinner or something like that. Like it, it, it just bothers me when you get in, you get into those things and it's, it's kind of like, I'm giving you a place to go to complete something that you really want to do and it's not reciprocated in the same way. Yeah. And it doesn't like breed resentment. I mean, for some people it does, it breeds a hell of a lot of resentment. Oh yeah. But, but like, it's one of those things for me when I look at it as a whole, like I, I just kind of look at it as like, is that really your character as a person? Right. Like, like not, not even as a hunter. Like, is that, is that your character as a person that you're willing to say, ah, I don't care. Um, I'm going to do it my way instead versus um, doing it, you know, ki- kind of like being nice to the person who's helping me do this stuff. Like to, to me, that that's a very important thing with new hunters is helping them understand the different levels of this. The flip side of that, and I hate having to do it, but like, as as the host hunter or whatever the hell you want to call it host fisherman um rock climber whatever like be assertive about it like it sucks you got to be assertive and that's kind of a con like that you have to sit there and say like hey dude don't come back here or hey this is like an area that i only have permission on and they let me come bring you on here today uh it, it it really is a con and i know i said earlier like that's the first thing that comes into my mind like when you interact with somebody or whatever but it still kind of sucks that you have to do that like yeah. i mean at, at least to me it does i i don't know about other people but you know realistically i i i want people to get out and have fun at the same time though i don't want to give people all my damn spots because it it, it becomes harder and harder and harder to hunt or fish the things that you're trying to do. Like it just does. Like <clears throat> absolutely. It, it, you're inviting competition pressure. Well, the whole exactly. Line. Well, and the internet has ruined more good spots than it ever saved. Like it, it just has. Oh like and 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 I like it doesn't give exact coordinates, but like so, I'm I'm gonna bash on them for a second just because it bothers the living hell out of me. Ooh, I'm a good um, basher. Like so. <laughs> Zach Kaiser is going to get a kick out of this if he's listening. Um, the hunting public, like, 
I, I love what they do. I really, really do. But when you say like, we're doing the public land challenge in this state this year, like, you know, immediately there's going to be a massive, you, you have however many, what millions, like hundreds of thousands of people subscribe to their YouTube. Like <clears throat> they're going to be on freaking media to hear before too terribly long because they know they filmed something with them already. Like you're, you know, instantly, like when you do that stuff, you're inviting tons of people to come and disrupt areas that people worked really hard or that they're trying to take new hunters out on. And, you know, that also brings in the fact of like, if this is the YouTube channel, because a lot of people learn through YouTube anymore. It's just, it's just the way that it is. Sure. Um, Like they're all like, Oh, we're going to Ohio next year. And then like everybody shows up at, you know, Mosquito Creek or everyone shows up at Shawnee or everyone shows up um, in Wayne National Forest. And then you've got like 100 to 200 extra people there that weren't there the previous year who don't know what the hell they're doing because yeah. they just they just decided to show up versus like talking to somebody and, you know, doing things like that. Like the impulsivity part of it just really bothers me. And like I... <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it, he said to mr impulsive <laughs> it, i mean to to a certain extent it does like it's just one of those things that i feel like if you do your due diligence some of this stuff doesn't happen like it just doesn't it, and we talked about this on the last podcast the guy that gets on um the hunting board and says hey i don't have a whole lot of time and i've been hunting for 30 years but i need a place to go hunt turkeys uh, that's on public land. Can you just tell me where all the turkeys are at? It's like, yeah. like sorry, dude, you're SOL. Like go freaking look, like, look, like do what I do. Like you, like when you, when you ask me something about Ken- time either, well, when, when you ask me like what's going on in Kentucky, like I'll go look up like the kill reports. I'll look up like how many deer, where they were at, like what County, all this different stuff. And like you and I are good enough buddies that we can do that. But there's plenty of people out there, like, if you don't know, just ask. Like, just ask the right questions. Don't ask, where can I go kill a turkey? How can I get to the end point with all of your work, time, and money? How can I start at the finish line? That's not what this is about. That's the best way to put it. Having having a hunting, and this is kind of like where I'll round out my pieces. Like, if, if you start, and this is why I harp on this so much, if, if you start and you and you kind of intuit this stuff into new hunters and new fishermen and new outdoors people, like you don't have that type of stuff keep trickling down. Like you have them come and ask you questions and then you, you can not have them start at the finishing line. Like they'll, they'll be more about like the race itself. Like you might lose yeah. the race, but you at least like got the memory of doing it and you might understand it a little bit better to do it next year, which is all what I'm about. I mean, if that makes a lick of sense, it does, it does. Um, I guess the one thing that I'll say too is I think I'm going to use kind of a funnier phrase, but paying homage, I think is pretty huge as well when your buddy takes you or teaches you or gets you a deer turkey fish Mm -hmm. you know whatever like i'll i'll 
use this as an example. I go down to camp with you mm-hmm. guys and uh, I get to start at a place that a lot of other people don't get to start at. Right. And I'm very blessed because of that. Um, but I mean, I can't say thank you enough. I, I mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, when we go down there, I don't, I don't want to go show everybody the points and rocks and banks and everything. I mean, I mean hell, we hide the backgrounds in our pictures. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think saying thank you is pretty huge. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but yeah, you know, you go out and your buddy takes you to a spot and you kill a deer, even if it's a doe, man, take him, go buy his lunch and his gas yep. money or so, like something stupid like that can go a long way and he might not even let you do it it. most people will refuse it but but just offering says it's a communication of i am thankful for you your time your money your effort all the summer scouting you you know different stuff like that i'm thankful for everything that you've done to help me get to here thank you Mm -hmm. and and then they can accept it and everybody's happy or they can say man, I'm not accepting it. And everybody's still happy. Yeah. But if you don't offer those kinds of things, and that doesn't mean every time you catch a damn bass or, you know, whatever. And it's a lot different with fish. I mean, if you go out and you catch a fish, that's a little different than going out and catching a four or five pound smallmouth or right. Right. Striper, you know, whatever, um, you know, or you pay it back. Your buddy yeah. invites you to Cumberland to go fishing. Uh, you take him out and take him deer hunting and get his tires flattened. <laughs> real, real quick story. Invited Rick to one of my spots. We drove out into the field to save us a little walking time. Something was in that field, punctured two tires. It turned from deer hunt to let's change tires as we plug tires. Yep. It was a mess. It sucked and I felt my terrible. first interaction with Matt Amron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll say this much too. This reminds me of a story I was thinking about earlier. Everybody has their own boundaries that they set and everything. And and uh one that I had set with Matt that I I feel bad for now. Maybe it works out the way it is. Maybe it would have been better, whatever, but I took him to a farm with me. That was the year that I had a lot of really good deer um, on camera. And I explicitly said, this deer right here is the only deer I want to kill. I'd appreciate it if you don't shoot this deer, but you can shoot any other deer on the farm he's a first-time hunter mm-hmm. i think i think yeah i'm pretty sure he had killed his first deer a doe mm-hmm. um he had wounded a deer and lost it like his first time out oh, and man. then yeah i mean it was just one of those things yeah and then he had shot a doe when i went with him and just smoked the hell out of her and we found her so she made it like 125 yards or something So I made that boundary 
not thinking that either of us would ever see the majority of those deer. I had Mm -hmm. already had an encounter with the big eight. I think the big eight would probably be about 140, maybe 145 inches tops. I'm going to say it was right around 140, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty darn good eight. Um, it was October 30th, I believe Oh man, it was 70, 75 degrees wind here in hell leaves falling everywhere. And I had just kind of settled into my snuggle zone where I pop my head down into my shoulders a little bit and just nestle in and wait for it to be time to get down. Basically it was late in the morning. Nothing was going to happen. Right. Well, all of a sudden I hear buck nine o'clock and I look over and he's going to refute this. Hopefully (laughs) at least, at least he does so in the comments to drive traffic. Um, I'm looking at nine o'clock and I mean, I ain't seeing shit. I'm like, man, what is he talking about? And I'm thinking it's, you know, a little yearling that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even take a picture of, you know? And uh, I'm like, man, where is this deer? But I don't want to spook it. And all of a sudden, I just turned my head a little more and caught movement almost directly behind me. Mm. That deer was at about 6.37 o'clock of me. And it was the deer that I asked him not to shoot that I wanted mm. to shoot. His name was Mocha. He had a dark chocolate rack, a huge body massive antlers and i would put him in that 145 category Mm -hmm. but just a different you know it was a big deer and i couldn't get stood up in time you know if i have a crossbow that deer dies a thousand times out of a Mm -hmm. thousand probably unless i hit a limb or something but he was at 24 yards in open timber and before i could get stood up and get my bow in my hand and get drawn which I probably could have been a little more aggressive with it. Um, which hindsight's 2020, of course, but I, I never got a shot at that deer. Mm. I, I did everything I could when I had the window, I didn't have the right angle. And when I had the right angle, I didn't have the window. I, and then, you know, once he got 45, 50, and I mean, he was 30 yards and I didn't have a prayer of sending an arrow at that deer because of all the branches and everything everything was just so grown up and so looking back i think i probably would have had a little bit of a tough time dealing with it because i had already taken my father-in-law and then a buddy of mine that literally killed the deer that i watched all summer Mm. and i just and it just happened in the weirdest way. And I had never killed a big deer before really. And so, and now I would not even pick up my bow for either of those deer. So I'm glad that they got them. You know what I mean? Um, but it was just so tough to handle at the time. And I didn't want that to happen again. I wanted to kill that deer looking back though. Like, I, I like right now, if we're in a tree, shoot the deer. Get it on the ground. I know what it's like now. Get it on the ground. So that's something where, you know, you may want to set that boundary, but 
just remember that your buddy might have a chance at a pretty good deer or deer of a lifetime. Do you really want to keep him from that? Exactly. Which Matt's got two really nice deer on the wall. A third one would look sexy right next to him, you know, (laughs) but I guess the pro to that is, is, um, he can only talk crap and pretend like I'm the one that doesn't know how to tell time. <laughs> Can't say, well, I killed your buck. Cause he would say that, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I think that's, um, about everything. As far as that goes, did you have anything else in the category of taking people out and all that? No, no. I think okay. we're kind of near in the end. We've been at it for about an hour and a half already. So good deal. So yeah, Real quick then, uh, wanted to talk about a few things with our summer scouting. I know we've kind of hit that pretty good here over the Mm -hmm. past couple weeks. I discovered a new toy. It's called a Digiscope. It's basically like the phone scope. That's Mm -hmm. a Digiscope as well, but it's made out of machined aluminum and it has double grippers for your phone and uh, three axis adjustment and everything. And it is extremely useful when you're filming hunts at mm-hmm. long range, when you're trying to inventory bucks or deer in general, while you're summer scouting in those bean fields or wheat mm-hmm. fields or whatever. And then the other thing, not wheat fields, sorry, alfalfa fields. And then the other thing that it's good for is turkey season when you're out there checking out those gobblers and the cool part is it makes it to where you can hook your phone using this device. You can hook your phone up to a monocular, your binoculars, spotting scope. You can hook it up to a telescope, a microscope, whatever you want. And not only can you film what you're doing and capturing that, but you're not sticking your eyes up against glass all day nice which is nice yeah. so you're not having your eyes wig out on you so just wanted to share that some of you might have seen me share some footage uh on the page some of it was shaky because i free-handed the binos i did not have that rested on anything so when you're zoomed in at 24x at 80 yards that'll happen um, oh yeah summer scouting perfect uh little tidbit here so you want to deer hunt early season or you want to be more successful and go summer scout well be ready to suffer through chiggers ticks mosquitoes um the heat of course be ready to carry water if you're doing Mm -hmm. a lot uh i did basically did six miles yesterday with a bunch of trail cams in my pack and um, water and a laptop and all kinds of crap, um, card readers and everything. So be ready to get your exercise. Probably Mm -hmm. a good idea to stretch. I need to do that when going up and down and across hills. I can feel my ankles um, stretching a little more than they should and (laughs) when it starts to hurt. Be ready to deal with, you might not think this, but when walking through meadows, fields, whatever, beans, corn, you might want to bring a light long sleeve shirt. 
even the tops of grass, Mm -hmm. the stalks with the seeds, those things itch like hell and scratch you and Mm -hmm. cut you and you don't even know it. And then you're itchy and it burns when the sweat gets in it. Um, You're going to deal with a lot of terrain, humidity, you name it. So um, be ready to suffer guys and be ready (laughs) to adapt and, and uh, adjust cams and find new food sources and all that. So um, good deal. Got any closers? Um, yeah. So we've covered, uh, we've, we've, we've covered the main one that I always go over. Uh, just, this is kind of a reminder. Um, Ohio department of wildlife, uh, or ODNR Kentucky department of wildlife or fish and wildlife, uh, West Virginia, I believe Indiana, Virginia, I think Washington, DC, Pennsylvania. Um, there is an APB out right now. If you find a dead bird that has, uh, you know, discharge coming from its eyes or from its mouth, they're asking you not to touch it. Um, they're asking mm-hmm. you to take a picture and send it in. There's something going on. Um, it's a lot of blue jays and starlings. Um, they believe they're not. They're not sure what's going on, but it's some mystery illness that they're trying to figure out. Uh, if there's something in the bird population, one theory is, is that it has to do with cicadas. Um, you know, I have no way of knowing this, but the, one of the things that was suggested was that, you know, without people spray their yards with pesticides and everything right now, uh, you know, it might've leached into these bugs and they eat the bugs and, you know, so on and so forth. But um, there's uh, reporting information on every one of those uh, websites uh, just be mindful of that. And if you have the opportunity to do that, you know, um, you know, don't touch the bird. They don't know if it's like, there's actually like a disease ridden thing sitting there in front of you. So, um, you wouldn't poke a dead body necessarily. So don't poke a dead bird. Hmm. Like <laughs> this isn't stand by body. me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I think mine is just going to hit on what I just said get out there and get your scouting in and mm-hmm. you'll see like for those that haven't done it much yet. And I'm still progressing in my knowledge and everything. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, think one thing and it's really another, but uh, I am doing summer scouting on public land. Mm-hmm. What I would call hardcore for the first time. And it's fun. We're on some good ones. Um, doesn't mean they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, gonna have to really catch a blessing and work hard to kill them, but, um, get out there and get your scouting done. Don't over scout and, um, you know, mess up your spot, but by all means get in there and figure some things out and have a game plan because luck Mm -hmm. always favors, the prepared as they say Mm -hmm. luck luck is when preparation meets opportunity correct and and that is basically probably somewhere in the bible if i had to guess um (laughs) so (laughs) get out there and and get it done and uh good luck to everybody this summer and and stay safe and we'll be looking forward to talking to you next week absolutely so uh, I'll wrap it up. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. 
And we would like to thank you all for sitting and spending time with us. So you all have a good week. Bye. See you. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time.